everybody, it's Freddy Cruz, and I've made it my job to extract the stories of the individuals and organizations and businesses that make the greater Houston area great. This next guest, oh my goodness, she is definitely one of those individuals. She is one half of the duo who has quite literally saved the lives of nearly a million Texas women, more specifically right here in the Houston area. Her name is Dorothy Gibbons, CEO and co-founder of the Rose Breast Center of Excellence. And during this episode, you're going to hear the Rose's origin story and Dorothy's, why her nightly prayer keeps her going, and of course, the biggest challenges we face in the battle against breast cancer, and that is for women and Men. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man Florida with Freddie Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Tell you go pick Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddie and it's time to cruise through HTX. Dorothy, welcome. Thank you, Freddie, for having me. I've known of The Rose for quite a few years. It was one of those things where the first time I learned of you was when I was at KRBE, I got an email from Ashley Small, who does PR services for the Rose, and it was like, Freddie, would you like to come to this shrimp boil? And me, loving any kind of an invitation to party, was like, okay, let's do it. And it's for charity, so I'm all in. And you all haven't been able to get rid of me since. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Freddie, what you may not know is that you were one of the first people to ever invite us to into a radio show. It was the first time I'd ever been into a studio and you were interviewing us and, you know, you were always asking the right questions and made it easy for me because it was so nerve-wracking to to be there on radio. And it was, you know, I never knew if uh, what I was going to say would come out right, but you were always supportive of us as well as the shrimp bowl, as well as everything else. Well, thank you for that. And I would have never guessed that it was one of your first times on the radio because, I mean, you are a pro and you come from this this field. You're marketing. You're the marketing and PR brains behind the Rose, of course. Dr. Dixie Melillo is the general surgeon. So I'd love to uh, begin with your origin story, then we'll navigate into the Rose's origin story because I want to know, like, what, what made you want to get, if you could sort of re- reverse engineer your life? Like what, what made you want to get not just in, into marketing and PR, but marketing and PR in the medical field? You know, Freddie, that was never planned. Mm. You know, there's been a, a lot of things in my life that weren't planned. In fact, the, the hospital was one of the first jobs I ever had. I was hired in HR for $2.37 an hour pay. And my job was to be the coordinator of HR. And then I went back to school and became the assistant director. And then when they started a PR department, I landed that job. And that's how I got into the communications field. But back in the 80s, when Dr. Dixie Melillo came to the hospital, she was uh, the first female that we had on the medical staff, on the active staff, and the first, and she was a general surgeon. You know, back then, there were not many women. 3% of all the doctors were women, and there were not many general surgeons, for sure. And, you know, general surgeons kind of run the hospital. I mean, they are the top of the line. And so here she comes, female, new to the, the area. This is Pasadena. She was faced with a lot of men who were very opinionated and uh, really didn't want her there. 
But Dixie has a way of convincing folks that, you know, what she's doing is for all the right reasons. And her, she just, she just found ways to be sure they knew that she was excellent in what she did. And uh, I remember her nurse talking about one time she was in OR and one of the doctors said, nurse, come over here and do this. And, and her nurse said, uh, this is Dr. Dixie Melillo. She's not going to go and do that. <laughs> But Dixie, Dixie really became the uh, standard of doctors for me. I'd work, been around doctors for a long, long time, worked with them for a long, long time. But Dixie was the first doctor that I ever knew that gave her phone, her home phone number to a patient and said, call me anytime. She was also one of the first that ever really took the time with patients. That was so different. You know, when she walked down the, the hospital corridors, she stood five foot seven and always wore three inch heels and she had her lipstick in her in her pocket and she she just when she was walking down the halls heads would turn she was gorgeous still is but I mean back then it was so it was so much fun to to watch her impact on people when she went through those ER doors remember she's a general surgeon so when she was going to see someone that was in trouble and when she walked through those doors everybody sighed this sigh of relief because she was there. She had a way of making people feel like no matter what, she was there for them, she was going to take care of them, and they would be all right. She even walked with her breast cancer patients down to OR and, and walked by their gurney holding their hand until they got through the doors, telling them everything was going to be all right. So, you know, with that kind of charisma and that kind of way that she was, you know, I, I had to be inspired, and especially when she got to talking about breast cancer. She ran the breast center at UTMB Galveston, where she was doing her residency, and Dixie went back to school after being kicked out of school at age 16 for being pregnant, but she went back, got her high school diploma, got her college diploma, then went on to medical school. So here she was, this this very dynamic personality coming into my life. And the one thing that I will tell you about anything that I've experienced with the Rose has been you get to be a part of a world you never thought you'd be a part of. You, you're into the fabric of people's lives. You, you see things. You, you're part of it. And life can be pretty tough at times. And life can be pretty wonderful at times. So I get to see all of that in the work that I do. And I wonder if the reason why, and I shouldn't wonder because it's quite apparent to me, I do produce your podcast. Let's talk about your breasts. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. But in sitting with you and these conversations, it's quite apparent to me that the reason why the Rose is such a special place that has affected so many lives is because you and Dr. Melillo were, y'all lived that life on the side where, you know, it was, it was cruel to be a woman in the medical field. And so you have that level of empathy, that sort of built in empathy where you're like, well, we know what it's like to be treated like that. So we're obviously going to provide even more superior service. I think that's a big part of it. You know, we, we were growing up in the 70s, 80s. I mean, we were in our careers, and we knew what it was going to take. But we were also seeing a lot of uninsured women during that time. 
And at that time, they could go to Dixie, but they couldn't go anywhere else. She would accept them. And then she'd have to plead with the hospital to let her do surgery on them or find someone to do chemotherapy on them. And it was a very, very difficult time for, it's the 80s. You know, that was the oil bust. Uh, More people were losing their homes than any other time in history, in Texas history. And no one had insurance. It was it was just a really hard economic times. And not only that, Dorothy, hearing, again, going back to the stories that I've heard, I mean, this is, okay, it's the 80s, and yeah, you would think that we have progressed because it's the 80s. There were still stories that I've heard you discuss in which the doctor would talk to the husband about the woman's oh, breasts. And I'm like, whoa. Whoa, yeah. You would that, expect this kind of behavior in the 50s, not no, the 80s. No, this this was, you know, our our namesake, the person that really inspired us to do a nonprofit was Rose Kushner. And she was a journalist for the Baltimore Sun, first female uh, journalist to cover Vietnam. Now, this was a very formidable woman. She was about, stood about five feet tall, very proud of her Jewish heritage, and had a mouth on her that would embarrass anyone. <laughs> and so when she found a lump in her breast, she went to her doctor and sent to a surgeon who said, oh, Rose, this is never anything. You know, these things are always benign. So, you know, we'll go ahead and do your biopsy, and if it is anything, we'll come out and tell Harvey, her husband, uh, and we'll do your mastectomy. And she went, "Wait a minute, you're gonna you're gonna do a mastectomy on me when I'm asleep, when I haven't woke up? You know, you're not gonna let me make that decision about my boobs." And the doctor said, "Well, no, Rose. There's no reason for you to go under anesthetic twice. I mean." You know, and besides, these are never anything. Mm. It took her 16 doctors before she found someone that would let her wake up and make the decision about her breast. Was it a woman? No. no. Back then, there weren't many women, remember? Wow. So that put Rose on this mission for awareness. She wanted to make sure that every woman knew that she had a choice, yeah. that she needed to make those decisions. And she wrote a book called Alternatives because her first title had the word breast in it. And because of that, it could be put out on the shelves in the bookstores. So she changed it to Alternatives and and talked about her journey, but gave us lay people a way of understanding breast cancer and what we needed to know. I'd read that book, of course. Mm -hmm. And uh, it turns out that she was going to be a speaker at a conference that Dixie was insisting I go with her to. It was a, a you know a medical conference, and I didn't know anything about what was going on, but Dixie took me. And I wrote Rose this letter and said, you know, this is before emails. I wrote her a letter and said, uh, oh, Miss Kushner, you know, we have this, uh, we're doing something in Houston, Texas for breast cancer. We're doing a lot of education and trying to raise awareness, and I'd love to have coffee with you or anything to talk about. She came back and said, well, I have an evening free. Why don't you come to dinner with me and Harvey? And I'm going, oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, she was my <laughs> idol. And I thought, ah, I'm going to have dinner with her. And so Dixie and I are at this very fancy-dancy, swanky hotel. And, I mean, we go to the dining room. You know, it's got linen 
on the tables and napkins. And I mean, you know, it was really, really nice. And Bougie. You know, you gotta remember, yeah, I'm I'm like thirty five years old. I haven't been anywhere in my life. And so we're sitting at this table and uh, Dixie starts her talking about all the education programs we were doing. And we were. We would do three and four a week. We'd Dixie'd go anywhere and talk to anybody and I went along with her and carried the slide cassette and the screen and all that kind of stuff. And I set up the talks for her. So she's going on and on about all the talks we've done and how hard it is. And, you know, women just don't understand what they need to do and or the importance of early detection. And Rose kind of leaned into her space and said, uh, Dixie, tell me what you're doing with those women once you educate them. Oof. And, you know, Dixie was not used to being challenged like that. Yeah. She was used to hearing, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> And so Dixie said, well, that's the problem. You know, we have nowhere to send them. Mammograms are just way too expensive. And uh, we've got to do something for these uninsured. And so Rose leaned back into her space and said, Dixie, quit your pissing and moaning and get off your, we use Duff in public, get off your Duff and go start a nonprofit. Well, I don't know what we thought. Rose Kushner was going to tell us, you know, like good little girls. Oh, I'm so proud of you. No, Rose was not that kind of person. And after we got back every Friday, she called me and she would say, what have you done about your nonprofit? Nothing. And then she'd say, what congressman have you called about this bill? And I go, I don't even know a congressman. And then she'd say, I need you to do so-and-so. And I go, I'm working 55 hours a week. I don't have time for all this. But at some point, I filled out the application, and we got our uh, nonprofit approval in seven days. And so I was so excited, and we decided to call this place The Rose. We had met Rose Kushner. My maiden name was Rose, and Dixie's married name at that time was Rose. So what were we going to call this place? It made sense. It made sense. We weren't going to have it be the Texas Institute of Breast Cancer, whatever. <laughs> was, that, was that the original thought? Because no, that just kind no, of rolled that off. Was how, that was how everybody talked. <laughs> that rolled times. out your yeah. tongue really yeah. easily there. <laughs> so I sent Rose a letter and I said, oh, Rose, we got our nonprofit. And we, you know, we're so excited to tell you that we've named it the Rose as a living tribute to you. Rose got the letter. She called me. And it started with, what the hell do I need a living tribute for? <laughs> I said, there is no way I'm ever going to please this woman. But after she died, she did not get to see either of our sinners before she died. Uh, Harvey told me that she always kind of managed to work into her talks, that there was a place in Houston, Texas that knew how to do this and take care of the uninsured. So she had a reoccurrence. And, uh, you know, of course, she... I love telling the story of the rose because we all need a rose in our life. Yeah. Or we need to be a rose in somebody's life. Or both. Or both. Yeah. Well, I can tell you without a doubt, you are definitely a rose in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Being around you, just, again, y'all listening, you know, I've worked these events once a year and then I'd have her on a show, so I see her twice a year. Um, but over the past year in recording and producing the episodes and hearing the stories that of not just Dorothy and Dixie, but of all the, the women and men who are within this community and this organization, it's just, uh, yeah, it, it is something, but we've spent a, an extraordinary amount of time together, Dorothy, 
And someone you talked about during one of our conversations was your mom. And she was a single mom. And, and it got me wondering whether or not seeing your mom may have played some role in the genesis of the rose. You know, Freddie, I think we all get groomed in one way or another for whatever is going to come. And, of course, we don't always know it. But my mother and father had me, the first child, very late in life. Uh, they'd been together 13 years before they had me, so they were a little older. And after I was born, after so long, they she, like, had a baby every other year. So whatever happened, happened. But when I was 10, he had several heart attacks and didn't feel like he could take care of the family anymore, and he left. So my mother, who was not trained, had no education, was left with four kids and nowhere to go, no way of earning money. So for the next five years, we were shipped around to different relatives. And of course, I will always be grateful for those relatives, but I never had a home after that. And fast forward, and now I'm approaching 20, and I get this call that my mother has been diagnosed with cancer, and they went in and opened up, opened her up, and there was no hope. They just closed her back up because it was already metastatic. And at that point, the irony is my mother worked in a hospital. She was a housekeeper. <clears throat> she was surrounded by people who could have helped her and had, would never have asked for help. She was raising her kids. She was getting through. And whenever I'd see our uninsured women who would come through <clears throat> needing help, I, I would see her. I would know what they'd been through just to ask for help. And I would know the incredible courage they had just to put themselves out there. I know that they had to make a choice between their kids and themselves. And that's tough. And so, mother died. She didn't last long. And while I never thought about it when we were starting the rose, when I started taking pictures of the women that had fungating breast cancer, which means the cancer has, has grown to a size outside the breast, then I really, really would go back to that time. I think all the awareness we've done over the years has made a great difference, but if we still don't have anywhere to send them, if there's nowhere for an uninsured woman to go, then what hope does she have? Yeah. I want to talk about something that you had mentioned in a previous episode. It's the 37th birthday edition of Let's Talk About Your Breasts, and it's the nightly prayer, and it's it's beautiful, it's harrowing, but it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the first time, the, 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 the one specific night. Yeah, yeah. Well, what Freddie's talking about is I'd had a really tough day. It'd been a really tough week, a tough month. I mean, we just were facing all kinds of problems. And this was quite a few years ago. In fact, I had um, just met Patrick and, you know, had found the love of my life. And so, but I also knew that you know, we had to keep on with the rose. He was overseas at that time. So one night I went home and 
felt very discouraged, very deflated. And when I went to bed that night, I, in my prayer, I said, Dear God, if you don't want me to run the rose, don't let me wake up in the morning. Well, I woke up, so I guess I'm <laughs> supposed to run the rose. But there were times when I really wondered if I was up to keeping this going, up to the work. And that's the side of anything, whether it's a, a breast cancer nonprofit organization or a small business or somebody even hosting a successful podcast, that it's we see the glitz and glam and we see the wins and, and not some, we hear the losses when, you know, when the door shut or when the website goes away, when the podcast goes away, when the nonprofit is no longer in existence. You're so, you're so right. You know, I think any any business, anything you do, really requires a lot. It requires your, you be all in. And, you know, sometimes that comes with a cost. And so you have to make that decision. Is it worth it? And for me, the rose has definitely been worth it. I want to talk about why the rose is a rose, a human rose. Now, we talked about Rose Kushner but why the rose is a rose where we we're celebrating the 30, and I say we, because I kind of feel like I'm part of the family. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> but, um, you know, we talk about the rose celebrating her birthday, her birthday, not its birthday. Yeah, you know, the rose has always been this living entity unto herself. You know, it's it's grown beyond Dixie and I. It's grown beyond any of our wildest dreams. And she has become something I never would have even imagined back then. At the Rose, we have a way of naming things. We name our mobile coaches. We call the Rose her. And I think it's because we realize that in everything we do and touch and that helps us, it it is living, it is part of a living life. It's part of a living time. So yeah, the Rose is she... And and there's been lots of times when I complained about her or to her <laughs> and told her I could use a little help here, but uh, yeah, she's a she. Help me help you. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about the biggest challenges that we collectively face in the battle against breast cancer? We still have too many women who are uninsured coming in with stage four breast cancer. Is it just not that painful? Oh, I, no. I imagine no. it's painful. No. But it's cancer not. is not painful. No. You know, the one thing we have, to, we have to get away from is blaming the woman for anything. You know, nobody chooses to have breast cancer. There's nothing you did that made you have breast cancer. You just happened to be in that minefield and stepped on one of those mines. You know, we, we, can't, we can't blame anyone for this. Well, and the stat's astounding. Is it one in eight or is it like smaller now? No. It's still one in eight, and uh, that's in a lifetime. But what we're seeing, Freddie, is that younger women are having, more younger women are being diagnosed with breast cancer than ever before. Is that because of the technology advances, or? You don't screen a younger woman. They come in with a lump. Oh. You don't screen someone under 40. That's right. They're coming in with a lump. And I, I tell you, when it's in a younger woman, she's going to have a much harder battle ahead because the it, it's just a more aggressive cancer. I think the other thing we see is that there's never been sufficient or adequate help services 
programs for the uninsured. And that's a big part of this state of Texas. We have a lot of uninsured women. And why the heck we don't have better programs for them, I don't know. The third thing, and this is my personal opinion, is that we don't have a place for the woman beyond childbirth in our society. Once you get through having your kids and you've raised them, you're done. Where's your value? Yeah. And for me, I always saw the rose as being a place for the woman, not only the woman who could have children or is in that time, but also the woman who is beyond childbirth. You know, we only have 20 years of being in that time of having children, but we could have 40 years of being beyond it. So why not? Why aren't we paying more attention to the older woman and to the value she has and the experience she has and what she could bring to us? She could be just as much of a sage as the older man. As ep- If not more uh, of a sage, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, or, or let's don't go there. But, <laughs> but I, I do think that in this day and age, we're starting to, to see a tiny change there. The biggest issue is that women have got to start feeling they're worth it in whatever, whether it's getting your mammogram or having your health checked or there's just got to be a shift in that. The rose.org is where you go to learn about this incredible organization that serves more than 40,000 women and men because when, uh, men do get breast cancer as well. It's 40% more deadly. I learned that yes. with your interview with Ronnie Pace. So the rose.org is where you go. Three insured women can help one uninsured woman get a critical, critical, critical breast cancer screening. And of course, their podcast, it's every week. It's Let's Talk About Your Breasts. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Dorothy, it's an honor knowing you, being your friend, being a part of the Rose family. And thank you so much for everything. Oh, thank you, Freddie. Hey, it's me. I'm back with a quick little nudge. If you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did, putting it together for you, then please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the newsletter at cruisethroughhtx.com and share with your family and friends. Thank you.